0: Well, good evening, everybody. It's Chris here from the Whistle Stop Cafe in Mir, Alberta, and I am not in Mere, Alberta tonight. I'm actually in Stavely, at the Stavely Community Hall, and we are at the Alberta Prosperity Project um, Oktoberfest gathering. Uh, it's been a wonderful night. There was some great food, and uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I was late. I was actually in the middle of a of a Q and A. Uh, there's lots of questions about Alberta, Alberta independence, and what we're doing within the Alberta Prosperity Project. So. Here I am, hopefully better late than ever. And we have a really awesome uh, podcast or webcast for you tonight. So I'm going to be joined by uh, Mr. Sean Buckley. He is a lawyer. Uh, He was the lead counsel for the National Citizens Inquiry. But in addition to that, he's also been uh, in, in legal kerfuffles with Health Canada for decades. And there's something going on that you all really, really need to know about. It's something that's already happened in Europe, by the way. What's happening is the federal government is trying to insert their greasy little tendrils into our food through, the, in, in th- through natural health products. They're trying to regulate that. So, you know, there's been some legislation passed that has the potential to make it so that we become like Germany, where it's very difficult to go to the, the uh, you know drugstore and buy some vitamin D or vitamin C or garlic capsules or whatever. The federal government wants to control that. And as you know, and I know, anytime the federal government tries to control something, it's generally not for our health. Now You might be saying, well, Health Canada, aren't they about protecting our health? They are not. And I'm going to bring on uh, Sean Buckley, and he's going to explain why. So good evening, Sean. Welcome uh, to the Whistle Stop Cafe webcast again.
1: Chris, it's just an honor to be back. So really pleased to be here and glad to hear your meeting went well tonight.
0: Yeah, it's actually still going on. I can hear uh, Dr. Dennis Moder, he's answering questions out there. And I think they're actually gonna start uh, a dance with the DJ and everything. So once I'm done with the the webcast here, it's off to enjoy the rest of the Oktoberfest gathering. So,
1: Heck, I'm However, in the wrong place. <laughs> yeah, You know what? No, no
0: rush though. I, I planned this like this because uh, I, I really didn't want to wait too much longer to get this this done and get people aware of what's happening because this is some pretty serious stuff. And you oh, know, yes. I, I had no idea when, when I met you at the National Citizens Inquiry, I had no idea the depth of what you've been doing over the last uh, few decades. So, do you want to maybe kind of explain to the people watching who you are
1: and what what's happening? Sure, sure. So what well, um, OK, so um, first of all, I've, I'm working on my 29th year practicing law and. Um, I started in the, the natural product field because I got uh, the firm I was at got hired by Health Canada and i got the file and i have to tell you that you know i grew up in a family where if you had a medical problem you went to the medical doctor and and you know took the prescription drugs or chemical drugs or whatever um the thought of taking supplements or seeing a a naturopathic doctor or homeopathic doctor or anything like that was completely foreign to me and so when I ended up acting as legal counsel for health Canada in a file, that, that was the background I was coming from. And what had happened was is a herbalist named Jim Strauss was importing some herbs from the United States, perfectly legal for anyone to import, including him. Um, And health Canada seized his herbs at the border. And they did that because they, we're doing everything they could to stop him from practicing as a herbalist. Now, when the government takes your property, there's a very special legal term for that, that lawyers use. I and mean, it's called theft. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it was theft. They stole this property and they, and the guy, go- they get away with it and they always get away with it. But you know, I guess we don't have the rule of law in Canada <clears throat> now. So he's suing Health Canada for compensation or to get his herbs back. And I get the file on behalf of Health Canada and they referred to him as a row herbalist. Now, Chris, I, I have to tell you that Health Canada has waived solicitor client privilege. So I can even say that, right? Otherwise all this would be privileged. But um, as I'll explain later on, he wanted to hire me for something else. And, um, And so I asked Health Canada to waive solicitor client privilege so that, you know, there would be zero problems acting for him. So Health Canada is referring to him literally as a rogue herbalist. This would be back in 1994. So just let me
0: interject for a second. You say rogue herbalist. That sounds really bad. Does that mean like he's putting too much
1: basil in the tomato sauce? Like what kind of herbs are we talking about? Well, Well, it's not. I mean, Basically what they were saying to me was is this is so terribly reckless that this rogue herbalist is selling products that are not approved by Health Canada. So now the implication being, you know, not only is it snake oil, but that it's terribly reckless and dangerous for him to be selling treatments that are not approved. Now Chris, remember I have no experience at the time. And that Kool-Aid looked pretty good, and I drank the Kool-Aid. So, I mean, I, I just assumed, well, this is true. Isn't this reckless that this, you know, rogue herbalist list is selling treatments that Health Canada has not approved? I mean, just how dangerous can we get? Now, I didn't even know that the entire natural health product industry, we probably have like Seventy, 80,000 products on the market, like health food stores have popped up everywhere, naturopathic doctors and TCM doctors and all of those have all of a sudden, you know, really become popular. And the entire industry is unapproved, like 100% unapproved because we didn't regulate them. So I, I drank the Kool-Aid and I go to court and he's suing in the wrong court and I have this case dismissed. But he and I got along really, really well. And so he took me out for lunch after I had this case dismissed. And uh, not long after that, I started my own law firm. And in another effort to shut him down, the British Columbia College of Physicians and Surgeons has the Provincial Crown Council Prosecution Office charge him with practicing medicine without a license because oh, yeah. the The act in British Columbia that at the time gave doctors their monopoly in the practice of medicine, defined the practice of medicine so broadly as including making treatment claims. Now, Jim Strauss could not stop talking about curing heart disease with his heart drugs. In fact, he drove around in a white van where the entire side was covered with red letters. We cure heart disease on both sides. Like he, <laughs> Good was, for him. he was passionate about this. Now I have to share with you why he was passionate. Now he was an older gentleman. Um, so just to understand his age, he flew for the German air force in world war II. And he was from Austria and his family, had been traditional healers in Austria for 400 years. So for 400 years, that family had been traditional healers and he was trained by his grandparents to be a traditional healer, like out in the forest each day, picking the herbs, smelling them, tasting them, getting lectured, putting things together. Like he was fully trained as a traditional healer from a family with 400 years of expertise. and. He could care less, that just didn't interest him at all. So he went and he got a PhD in electrical engineering. He is working for BC Hydro as an electrical engineer, and he has a heart attack. And he's rushed by ambulance to the hospital. And at the hospital, they do an angiogram and learn that one of his arteries is 100% blocked, another is 80% blocked, and they let him know, they say, Jim, for you to survive, you have to have a double bypass surgery. <clears throat> and he didn't like that idea. So he checked himself out of the hospital. He turned to his family knowledge and he made his heart drops and he cured himself. He <clears throat> lived for another 30 years. He died in an old folks home.
0: So uh, having, there's, a qu- there's, a bypass
1: surgery, there's a question there.
0: There's a question there. Is this the same Strauss company from Kamloops with the heart yeah. drops? Yeah, that's okay. the one.
1: Yeah, it's okay. it's Stroh's Herb Company from based in Camps. Now, I want to I want to very... point something out
0: because there might be some people watching that are thinking, "Oh, yeah, that's a bunch of witchcraft." You'll oh, wait witchcraft till the witchcraft. end of
1: the story. Wait till the end of the story, though, because okay, <clears throat> you know that's Jim's story, and I I saw the medical records and I saw the angiogram, <clears throat> but you know that's his story. And that you know that could be a one-off, right? So <clears throat> you know, so I get that, but but finish the story because I I'm not convinced at that point. So <clears throat> but he hires me to defend him, and we're dead in the water on the facts. Here we've got a law that says only doctors can make treatment claims. He's not a doctor, and he's making treatment claims. I mean, and know i can't even put him on the stand because then he'll you know he'll look at the judge and see you know all the judges and kamlips at that time were quite old and they'd have the judge would have crow's feet a sure sign of of arterial disease and and jim would point at the judge and say your honor you need my heartthrobs have heart disease like (laughs) he could know he was religious because it transformed his life like after that he quit his job as an electrical engineer and he set up his herb shop called Natural Way Herbs and, and started selling a whole range of remedies. So he, he changed careers. It was so transformative. Now, I'm dead in the water on the facts, so I decide I'm going to challenge the law because we have a law that, that basically prohibits any speech by non-doctors on, concerning treatments And we have the right to free speech enshrined in Section 2B of our Charter of Rights and Freedoms. And, you know, back then the Charter actually meant something. And there was a lot of strong case law on freedom of expression. And so the law was totally on my side. I had a really strong case, but I had a factual problem. And the factual problem is this. So, Chris, put yourself and your audience, put yourself in the shoes of the judge and you're not having any problem with the law. Like the law says you should be protecting freedom of, of expression. But let's say you accept Health Canada's narrative that we've got this rogue herbalist who is putting people in danger because they're not getting the appropriate treatment for a serious condition like heart disease. They could be putting off treatment so long that they die. Or or, you know, in the very least, have you know more complications and not be set. Like we're talking life and death here. If the judge accepted that narrative, even though the law's on my side, like, I mean, it's just human nature. You're going to do kind of everything you can not to decide for the party that, you know, the law says you should be siding with. So I, I wanted to counter that narrative. So I go to Jim's herb shop and I <clears throat> I explain the problem to him. And I say, Jim, is there any way we can prove you're telling the truth? And he kind of thought for a moment. And then he walks into the back and he brings me out a box. And he walks into the back and he brings me out another box and another box. And I, I mean, that was 30 years ago. I forget if it was three or five boxes. I know it was an even number and more than one. <clears throat> I take those back boxes back to my office and they're all filled with letters. So there's three, three to five boxes just filled with letters that people felt compelled to write him. I start reading these letters, and it becomes clear right away, although I read them all, that they're all the same. Like, really, they're all the same, just said with different words. But I had heart disease. I was sick and dying. I took your heart drops. I got well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Now, I can't enter a single one of those letters. That's pure hearsay. But I can call the authors of those letters to take the stand, swear to tell the truth, and tell the truth. And that's actually the highest level of evidence in court. So I started phoning these people. On the day of trial, Chris, I had five middle class professional witnesses. I I picked middle class. I had so many to choose from. But I picked middle class professionals because the judge is a middle class professional. So it's like, hey, these are my people for credibility purposes they had all had heart disease. They had all had at least one open heart bypass surgery. One of them had had two. They all continued to have heart disease because the reasons their arteries was plugging up was not being addressed. They all needed another bypass surgery to survive. Two of them were too weak to survive the surgery, so the doctors just sent them home to die because ethically they can't do a surgery you're not going to survive and the other three weren't willing to go through an open ha- heart bypass surgery again just to buy another year or two because it was it's such an evasive and complicated surgery they just they weren't willing to do that so for all of those those five witnesses the mainstream medical system the approved treatments from health canada were a death sentence they all come across the heart drops usually through naturopathic doctors they all get well and here's the kicker they're all working full-time at trial they'd all been disabled for years and years and years and years and they're all working full-time at trial like and you can't you can't fake that so um, that was kind of my road to damascus conversion experience because when I was drinking the Kool-Aid that Health Canada was serving, when I was acting for them as counsel, I actually believed that this was dangerous to allow somebody to be selling an unapproved treatment. But well, that's what we're I, told. Yeah, but after I prepared for that trial, I realized actually the opposite was true. Is And that there were actually thousands and thousands and thousands of Canadians that were only alive because of that single unapproved treatment, and I could have given you the names, addresses, and phone numbers. of. So it's kind of like, okay, wait a second. And, and I, I hadn't even realized, I mean, just how offensive even the idea is. Like, are we slaves or do we have control over our body? Because if, if the only body in Canada that can, that can give you permission to treat yourself is Health Canada, we've got a problem. You mean, I I can't decide to use a treatment they don't approve of? Like, did you sign up for that? Because I know I didn't sign up for that. So you mean, somebody who's not a doctor and maybe has a bachelor of science degree, and you know, is approving a drug approval, says no. And like, it's, you know, Friday afternoon and they just want to go home. And like, so really making health decisions. And so everyone in Canada can't access that treatment, really? Even the idea me, that you have to licensed, it's, it's quite interesting. And I think we should talk about that from a legal philosophical perspective.
0: Before that, let me get this out. So th- there are people out there who think this is a, just a bunch of whack-a-mole. They think it's kooky. Well, why would we do, use herbs and stuff when we can use pharmaceuticals? Let me remind you folks of something. Most of the drugs that we currently use, maybe, maybe not some of the newer ones, but most of the drugs we use all came from something from nature. You know, like at one point, some scientists really realized that, hey, uh, this plant, when we chew the leaves, it makes our headaches lessen. And then we find out exactly what that is. And next thing you know, we have acetaminophen. You know, um, I worked yeah, in Colombia for around. a couple of years and the, the locals and the natives there, uh, when they go from the low lands to the to the mountains, they chew coca leaves because it relieves altitude sickness they use it for energy all sorts of things so a lot of it's not it's it's not hard to imagine this and in canada it's even better because all of those indigenous elders that know about these natural treatments for things that ailed their ancestors they weren't doctors and yet they've been treating with things from our land from for thousands of years right
1: yeah well i mean <clears throat> here's here's the problem and it and it truly is a legal philosophical one, and then it's complicated because our regulatory body is first of all, not there for our health and secondly, you know, really captured by the pharmaceutical company and I and I can talk about both of those, but I'll, I'll talk about that they're not there for our health first, <clears throat> A, because, you know, you're at an Alberta prosperity project thing and B, you brought that up earlier. <clears throat> So because the messaging Health Canada gives us is, you know, we're there to protect your health and all of this. And even the name Health Canada, like it, it implies they're there for our health. It truly is like totally 1984 Orwellian. I, you know, I was actually thinking this morning I need to just start publicly referring to them as Death Canada, not Health Canada, because they they cause death. They don't cause health for sure. But <clears throat> I'll tell you a funny story because I used to believe, oh, Health Canada was there for health. And actually, um, I was running the True Hope trial down in Calgary. And this is is in the early 2000s. And True Hope had developed a vitamin and mineral supplement called Empower Plus that is likely the best treatment for serious bipolar disorder and major depressive disorder in the world. I mean, there are 35 published peer-reviewed journal articles all funded by governments around the world because the, the product just blows the mind of any researcher that looks at it. And the purpose of the show isn't to tell that story, although that might be an interesting other show. <clears throat> but I'm running this trial and I'm a, I've got a Health Canada inspector on the stand and I'm, I'm wanting to box her in. So I'm asking a whole bunch of questions that I know I'm gonna get a yes to and slowly I'm gonna construct this logical box where she has to answer yes to, you know, the final question. And one of my kind of preparation questions to get her into this box was something like, you know, well, as a Health Canada inspector, you're there to protect our health. And you see, Chris, I didn't understand that they're not there for our health yet. So to me, that was, oh, well, I'm gonna get a yes out of this. And I didn't get a yes. And I need a yes, so I'm kind of like circling around and trying to get a yes. And finally, this Health Canada inspector, who's under oath, explains to me, and and now I just well, of course, <clears throat> but we learn, right? We learn as we as we go along. But this Health Canada inspector explains to me quite truthfully that no, Health Canada and Health Canada inspectors are not there to protect health; they're there to enforce the Food and Drug Act and regulations. Bingo. Well, now that I look back at it, it's like, well, obviously, they're there to enforce the Food and Drug Act and regulations. If you read the Food and Drug Act and regulations, nowhere in there is, you know, is Health Canada charged with protecting health. They're not even charged with acting in the the public interest. They're definitely not charged with getting good health outcomes. There's nothing like that at all. And of course, now as a constitutional lawyer once you start looking at it, well of course there's no mention of health because this is a criminal law power that the federal government doesn't have jurisdiction over health the provinces have jurisdiction over health because in section 92 of the bna act provinces run hospitals and they have jurisdiction over property and civil rights <clears throat> this that's why the federal government i mean when we went started the road away from a, a confederation into a unitary state under Pierre Trudeau Justin's um, the the father who raised Justin Trudeau he started <laughs> he started in the 70s um, using the federal taxation power to raise a whole bunch of tax because provinces can only tax directly but the federal government can tax indirectly and directly and can raise way more money than the provinces and so he he kind of forced the provinces to take money and really didn't force them but you know all the provinces decided yeah well we'll take money on and we'll accept your conditions that we have to run our healthcare system as you direct as conditions for getting money not realizing that now all the provinces are in a box and even if they didn't don't like the healthcare system the way it is you know what are they going to do now because they can't afford to do it on their own they've basically become servants of the federal government and we're in a unitary state now instead of a confederation but you know back to this so the food and drug act and the case law is quite clear it's a criminal law act and it's a trade and commerce act so the trade and commerce and is you know let's say grade a beef Well, you have to meet this standard to call it grade A beef all across Canada. That's a trade, trade and commerce power, but that's not what we're talking about with the regulation of drugs. So regulation of drugs, well, you can protect against fraud. That's criminal law power. Same with foods. You can, you can protect against fraud. You can protect against adulteration. That's, that's criminal law power. And you can protect against things that are truly dangerous. So, you know, for sure, they have jurisdiction over chemical pharmaceutical drugs because they have such a high risk profile, it's crazy. They have jurisdiction over, you know, narcotic drugs or, you know, what we now call controlled drugs under the Controlled Drugs and Substances Act. But there is a threshold for something to be considered criminal. Like there's a a harm threshold. Now... Peanut butter, a month of peanut butter use in Canada, causes way more deaths than let's say 20 years of our entire natural health product industry. Like peanut butter is so much more dangerous than all of the natural products on the market. That I'm, I'm getting scared even just talking about peanut butter. Like it, it's just crazy scary, but is peanut butter dangerous enough to be considered criminal? No. No, it's not. Like if the federal government wanted to set up a peanut butter directorate to protect us from peanut butter, as in the exercise of the criminal law power, we'd laugh. And yet we're allowing them to assume jurisdiction over natural health products, which are way more safe, like the entire industry. You you can go year after year after year and not be able to point to a single death in Canada caused by a natural health product. You can't go a month without a number of deaths from peanut butter. Like there are more you are fourteen times more likely to be struck by lightning than to be killed by a natural health product.
0: Well, we should ban lightning or regulate well,
1: we it. We should actually. And you know, maybe that's something that that we should look into. I'm just who has it's just progress for the feds. Even better than that, we should tax it. That will fix it. Because taxation extinguishes things. So yeah, you're on to something here, Chris.
0: Yeah. Well, so, you know, th- the the things that you're you're talking about, I I can almost guarantee that most people watching um, have never heard any of this stuff before, as I didn't. You know, I always assumed that these government ministries or organizations or whatever were for our benefit, but uh, you know, it's it's not surprising to hear
1: hear what you're saying, but it's uh, quite eye opening, that's for sure. Well, let's let's talk about our regulations of of drugs because it's it's a real problem. So what happened was is we came out with a regulatory regime for chemical drugs. And and I agree with that regulatory regime. It's just, you know, the way it's evolved, It it's a complete fraud on the Canadian public, but at least the principles aren't bad. So <clears throat> now, and remember that chemical pharmaceutical drugs, um, three of the leading five causes of death in every Western democracy are connected to chemical pharmaceutical drugs. I remember seeing a risk analysis um, done several years ago that broke Canadians into like age groups of 10. So like birth to 10, you know, 10 to 20, 20 years old to 30. And in every single one of those 10 year age groups, except for one, the most dangerous thing you could do was drive to the doctor's office. So that was your biggest risk. That is your biggest risk for most of your life is actually driving to a medical doctor's office. And, and we're just talking statistics. And uh, <clears throat> so, and based on, on Canadian government data. So we, we regulate chemical pharmaceutical drugs in what's called a chemical drug model. And so the starting point is, everything everything is illegal. So if you wanna use a chemical drug for a therapeutic purpose, you can't because the starting point is they're all illegal and you have to get an exemption in the form of a license to be able to sell one. So you okay. need pre-government approval and that's where in the normal course of event, you're, you're, you have to prove it's safe you then have to prove that it works for the condition for which you want it to work we call that efficacy
0: so they have and to prove it's safe and effective before they mass produce it buy billions of dollars
1: of it and release it on the public yes but we did that on another show with or did we did we talk about the drug approval process on our first show when we we're talking about the nci we did yeah yeah okay so but it's fine to touch on it again that's a that's a yeah good so what Chris is referring to is that all COVID-19 vaccines did not have to go through the regular process where you have to prove safety and efficacy and then do a risk benefit analysis. In fact, safety wasn't mentioned, efficacy wasn't mentioned in the test. You, do, you certainly didn't have to prove either. In fact, you didn't have to prove anything. And it it's just a real shame anyone who pretends they were proven to be safe and effective. I have some oceanfront property in Saskatchewan for sale. Um, and it's in that really tropical zone where there's palm trees and everything. So give me a call. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So in the normal course, the drug world, chemical drugs, prove it's safe, prove it's it works. And then cost benefit analysis. Is this a good idea? Now that makes sense for chemical drugs. I, you know, I fully get that. If you want to use thalidomide to treat nausea in pregnant women, you should have to prove it's safe and effective because we've never introduced thalidomide into the human body before. We know that introducing a novel chemical that's isolated and then tweaked, um, that's a dangerous thing. We've just learned that. So yeah, so there should be strict requirements before you can give thalidomide to pregnant women. Now, if we've been using ginger tea for 2000 years to treat nausea during pregnancy, and it's been very effective and like nobody's dying from drinking ginger tea while they're pregnant chris after 2000 years do we all of a sudden need government pre-approval to drink ginger tree tea to treat nausea during pregnancy Of course,
0: because we get so enlightened that we have to ignore the evidence from the past and anecdotal things and traditions passed on. And we have to only focus on things that
1: make a select group of people filthy rich. Well, it's interesting because this is all about intellectual property rights. So I was going. Yeah, no, no, no. This this truly is. You see, so the Food and Drug Act and the drug regulations are there to protect not health, but intellectual property rights. And if you don't believe me, uh, go to Alan Castle's testimony at the National Citizens Inquiry. he explained the same thing. I've been lecturing about this for years and, and how it works is, is <clears throat> for serious conditions, cancer, heart disease, arthritis, erectile dysfunction, psychiatric drugs, I, I said serious conditions. I should have said conditions where there's like a lot of money at stake, but we call those serious conditions. And some of them truly are serious conditions. You have to go through what's called the new drug approval process. Um, It's probably been a good decade since I've had a drug approval expert on the stand and they're under oath. And I asked, hey, how long, how much does it cost to get through the new drug approval process? But the last time I asked without blinking, the drug approval expert under oath said billion. Now, a billion dollars. Now a billion. Now you can get uh, with through a B. For, with a B. Yeah. And and he would have just been given an average cost. Like so an average cost of a billion, but it doesn't mean you couldn't get through it for a couple hundred million, you know, if it was a simple application. Now the point is this is in my lifetime, and I'm willing to guess in the lifetime of anyone watching there has only been one drug go through the new drug approval process that did not have a patent with a pretty long patent life on it when it went through the new drug approval process. Because let's say you and I had just, we discovered a drug that was just, was gonna cure cancer or cure heart disease or cure arthritis. Well, if we didn't have a patent on it, A, we wouldn't spend a billion dollars or 200 million or, or whatever, on it because as soon as we got through the new drug approval process, because we don't have a patent, anyone can make it. So we can't charge a high price and then we can't recover the cost of going through the process. So in my lifetime, there's only been one drug without a patent go through that process, and it was sponsored by government. So the process is actually designed to be so expensive and so onerous even though it's a complete fraud. And and we could, I could go into that later, but it's deliberately designed to be so onerous and so expensive that only chemical drugs with a patent go through it. Now, from a a policy perspective, if you want good health outcomes, we have, we might as well have put it right in the law. You can only treat serious health conditions with chemical drugs that had a patent at the time they went through the new drug approval process, because those are the only drugs that are authorized. Now you can't tell me that basically excluding every other treatment modality and making them illegal leads to good health outcomes that's just absolutely absurd. So but that's what we've done and with natural products we don't have intellectual property rights so there's not a single natural health product approved for a serious health condition. Now the new, the chemical drug rakes were only intended for chemical drugs. They were never intended for natural products, and they were never applied to natural products until they became popular and started threatening profits. Like, <clears throat> do you remember a health food store in a mall in the nineteen seventies? Like, I don't. Yet, by the well, end I'm a of little the younger, days, Sean, I don't remember anything from the seventies. Well, okay, I don't. But, you know, by the end of the 80s, early 90s, every mall had a health food store. Like, people just started gravitating. I I don't remember the first time I ever even heard of a naturopathic doctor even, you know, lived in a place where you could go to one, and now they're everywhere. And same with homeopathic doctors and, you know, nutritionalists and herbalists and traditional Chinese practitioners. Like, they're everywhere. So people started accessing them. And accessing natural health products. And all of a sudden, out of panic, Health Canada in Canada and the Food and Drug Administration in the United States started attacking natural products and saying, you have to comply with these chemical drug regulations, which had never been applied before, which were never intended for these products. But the definition of drug is in both Canada and the US in the legislation is defined so broadly. <clears throat> that it applies to anything used for a therapeutic purpose, um, and I'm sorry I'm getting distracted. you look really dehydrated chris can you can you take some water to deal with your dehydration? Uh, don't I need a license for that? Oh, yeah, you see, I just broke the law. I just broke the law because I just suggested that you used water for a therapeutic purpose, and you know we haven't we haven't actually in Canada approved water to treat dehydration so there isn't a license out there for that and and i just broke the law and i'm just showing how stupid this is so all of a sudden the two regulatory bodies are attacking the industry Well, in the united states they rebelled the citizens just got mad and they rebelled and congress was actually forced to look into how do we regulate natural products and they held hearings and they called experts And they actually decided, well, you can't regulate these as foods and you can't pretend they're dangerous. Like, you know, like I say in Canada, you're 14 times more likely to be struck by lightning than to be killed by a natural health product. And I've actually still never seen a credible case of a death caused by a natural health product in Canada. So I challenge anyone to show me a credible case. So in the United States, in response to their citizen rebellion, and this is important, they passed a law classifying them as food. So just cause you're gonna use ginger tree to t- treat nausea doesn't make it a drug. So in the United States, their natural, su- their natural products, health products are foods. And the Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act of 1994, which classifies them as food, deems them by law to be safe. So in the United States, their foods, they're deemed by law to be safe and because they're deemed by law to be safe there's this legal presumption they're safe the fda can't take a, you know a particular one off the market unless the fda has you know reasonable evidence like actual evidence that that one poses a risk right and
0: so, we we regulate food to some degree to make sure that you know there's no mice species in our bread and things like that. And the same things can occur with natural health products. That's not well well, they do too, but uh,
1: but that's that's not what we're talking about. Like nobody's nobody's gonna object to you know let's test our raw materials for heavy metals and and you know extreme amounts of of bacteria or mold or whatever. Right? Like nobody ever argues about stuff like that because that's just you know, common sense and reasonable. That, that's not what we're talking right. about. We yeah, do I just that want to make
0: sure people know that we're talking about two different things when it comes to the regulation part. Yeah,
1: yeah, we're talking about whether or not they should be classed as chemical drugs. So Canada, we have our citizen rebellion a couple of years later. It culminates in 1998. And the government of the day backed down. So they were, they were pushing to regulate natural products as drugs, and they were forced to back down. Actually, the Minister of Health, Alan Rock, held a press conference. Says, "We've listened. We're referring to the matter to the Standing Committee on Health, which is a House of Commons comm- all-party committee. These standing committees are not run by the government party, and that's a, a committee charged with, you know, having expertise in health and and vetting bills in committee that have to do with health. The Standing Committee of Health held the broadest consultations at that time." Of any standing committee in Canadian history. I think there were like a thousand witnesses and submissions. And they they came to the same conclusion as Congress. You don't regulate these like chemical drugs, and they're crazy safe. And the Canadians want increased access. So, you know, if you're going to regulate them Health Canada, you have to come up with regulations that will actually increase our access, not decrease our access. No one was expecting a chemical drug model. And Health Canada, you know, gets this transition team to tell them, oh, how do we implement these recommendations? And Health Canada didn't like that. So they waited a few years, appointed a more pliable team that then said, oh, regulate them like chemical drugs. And so we got moved halfway in the chemical drug model. So United States, they're classed as foods. Canada, they're classed as drugs. United States, they're presumed by law to be safe. Canada, because they're drugs, they're presumed to be unsafe. You can't sell a single one without getting pre-approval. The United States, you don't need government pre-approval. Here we do, we have to go through a licensing process. We have to prove ginger tea is safe. It can be the same ginger tea in the grocery section, but we have to prove it's safe and we have to prove that it treats nausea. But I say we only went halfway into the chemical drug model because we were actually able to use traditional use evidence so, using ginger tea as an example, go. well, look at. It. We used it for 2,000 years. That's your evidence. And we also weren't being charged the licensing fees. Like the chemical drug companies pay fees to get their license. You know, submissions reviewed. They have to pay fees to be able to. You know, manufacture to distribute. In fact, most of Health Canada's budget comes from the fees they charge chemical drug companies. So we were halfway into this model, but the industry tolerated it because they didn't feel they had a choice. And, and so it, as of, you know, July, 2004, all of a sudden we're halfway into a drug model. But the curious thing was is Health Canada didn't know how to regulate them. So they had to pass regulations putting this off. And it was probably, you know, only about 10, 12 years later. So let's say, you know, 2016, where most of the industry was in compliance. So Chris, it's really only been a handful of years that, you know, if you went into a health food store or went to a natural health practitioner, that your product was approved of by Health Canada. So for most of our lives, they've been completely unregulated. And has there been a problem? No. No, there hasn't been a problem, but what's happened with our regulations is that now our prices are four times higher than for the same products in the United States. You know, it's funny, I was on a Twitter call about two months ago when there was a practitioner named Brett Hawes on there, and he will put together treatment protocols for both Americans and Canadians. He's consulted by people on both sides of the border. And he says, you know, the same treatment plan for a Canadian, like it costs the Canadian four times as much as the American, same products, because our ind- industry has become so costly. Now, Chris, what that has done is, is it's forced lower income Canadians fully into the chemical drug model because the state will pay for that and they can no longer afford natural products. So. What our regulations have done is A, they removed a whole bunch of products off the market and they dumbed down products. So, I mean, I had manufacturer after manufacturer, when we were doing this phase in, say, you know, we've got this product and it's super effective, but Health Canada is saying we have to reduce, you know, these four ingredients and drop these four ingredients. And some of them said, you know, the product won't work and they stopped making the products. And some of them said, oh, well, we're still going to make it anyway. And, and, you know, so if you followed the label, it would be functionally useless. I mean, that's the case with vitamin D, mm-hmm. for example. If you followed the label, you go to your health food store and buy vitamin D. There's nothing wrong with vitamin D. But the, the label will limit you to 1,000 IU. Well, you might as well not even take it. It's not enough. Like it, Unless you have somebody tell you to take way more. And, and that's where we've gotten. So we've gotten a less effective industry and the prices have, have totally increased. <clears throat> and now, so I said we were halfway into the chemical drug model. Health Canada's end goal is to harmonize us internationally, to move us into a European model where you just don't have access to natural products. I mean, there's you find a health food store in a, a medium-sized European city. You won't. You'll find a couple in big cities, but they basically just sell vitamins and minerals and single-ingredient products in low doses that are really, by and large, non-therapeutic. Now, so Health Canada's come out with this self-care framework, and here's, you know, here's what's happening, and here's what, what your audience needs to hear. So they're phasing in this self-care product or self-care framework And we are going to lose almost all of our effective natural products we're going to lose almost all of them anyway so the first thing that's going to happen is remember i told you we could use traditional use evidence to prove efficacy well under this self-care framework we're going to lose the right to use efficacy or i'm sorry traditional use evidence to prove efficacy except for the like most minor conditions like a skin cream so how many products do we have now that are licensed with traditional use evidence to prove they work. Nobody can say, but I'm willing to guess at least three quarters of them. So those those products we're gonna lose. Health Canada is, is imposing the chemical drug fees on us and <clears throat> that's gonna do two things. So the, the smaller and medium players, many are gonna go out of business. We're gonna lose products because of that, because now you've got this fee and whereas now we've got a whole bunch of little and medium-sized manufacturers that actually do their own manufacturing it's this strength it's one of the strengths of our industry we're going to they're all going to stop manufacturing those that survive and they're going to we're going to end up with two or three big contract manufacturers so it's centralizing then when you centralize something then you can control it easy it's like when we closed all the small abattoirs um 15, 20 years ago by over-regulating and forcing forcing us into a model where there's a few big ones. Well, now you control the food supply. So but look how
0: well centralizing worked for AHS. I mean, our quality of service is better than it ever has. That was sarcasm.
1: Well, yeah, and you, you still have to work on it. You're still smiling. So, you know, <laughs> a, little, a little more work. No, like who knew when we went to, you know, government-funded... Um medicine. Who knew all those years ago? Because you know, it sounded great, right? You can't afford a doctor, we're gonna we're gonna pay. Well, who knew that basically then other traditions would be pushed out? That the government would be deciding what treatments are approved, being they're the only ones they're gonna pay for, and we'll make private clinics and, and the like illegal, right? Like so we've ended up with. You know a way more expensive model and a model that basically dictates to us what our treatment options are like <clears throat> it, it's really is a case study in the dangers of centralization that you know the road to hell is paved with good intentions because it's so understandable the motivation and why it's so popular but we can't do it with centralization we can't do it the way that we've done it like most of us will agree you know if somebody's sick they need to be cared for but we can't do it the way that we did, but back to natural health products. So we're gonna lose the right to use traditional use evidence. We're gonna impose the chemical drug fees for manufacturing and warehousing and all of that, which will drive many businesses out of the small players out. Um, Those that survive, they'll segue into the contract manufacturing. So we're gonna lose all this manufacturing expertise and be centralized. So now we can be taken down very easily. Now, Health Canada, though, has helpfully let us know when in in both online in their on their website and in the Canada Gazette where they say, well, we're going to start charging you these fees. Um, They've helpfully let us know. But don't worry, we're not going to waste the fees that we're going to be charging you. And and it's the amounts that they've suggested are just nosebleed. So you want higher prices? They're coming. So um, but Health Canada's helpfully let us know they're going to use every penny to hire more inspectors, because oh, they're oh wonderful. Oh yeah, no, and these inspectors are going to do two things because they are going to increase the regulatory burden on natural health products so that it's exactly the same as the chemical over-the-counter um, self-care products, like you know over-the-counter products that you don't need a doctor's advice. So that increased regulatory burden is also going to increase prices and get rid of products. But the inspect, so the inspectors need to now be, you know, going and visiting more often and making sure they're complying with. But they're also going to be censoring truthful health information. And <clears throat> now that's not the way they put it, but that's what we're talking about. I mean, the criminal code, the Food and Drug Act, our telecommunications legislation all protects us against fraud. So. We're talking about truthful health information and Health Canada takes the position, and remember, they're there to protect intellectual property rights. They take the position that, listen, we will grant you a license for a drug, be it a chemical drug or a natural health product, and we will give you a label claim. So let's say I've given you the example of True Hope that has the product EM Power Plus for bipolar disorder, and, and I will just let you know that trial that I ran for them, where that health Canada I- inspector explained to me they're not there to protect our health. Um, <clears throat> I called evidence, a lot of evidence that Health Canada caused deaths because Health Canada restricted that product for a short period of time and there were deaths. One of the witnesses I called was Ron Lashiness who had as deputy minister set up all of Alberta's mental health programs and then he went to the Canadian Mental Health Association, was president of the Alberta branch. And as president of the Alberta branch of the Canadian Mental Health Association, every time one of their members died because they couldn't get the product, he held a press conference to shame Health Canada. And sadly, he him. held a press conference after press conference, after press conference, after press conference, after press conference. After press conference. <clears throat> Before Health Canada got so embarrassed, that they relented and allowed this product in the market. And the court found that True Hope was guilty, but acquitted them on the defense of necessity. And in the oral decision said there would have been more deaths if, if True Hope had followed Health Canada's direction to stop selling. And so the product's still on the market today, but let's talk about censorship because another part of the self-care framework is, is well we have to impose the, the same fines as are imposed on the chemical drug companies. So before, if you were a natural product company and you violated the Food and Drug Act or regulations, your maximum fine was $5,000 per offense. As of June 22nd, they snuck into our budget, the federal budget bill, as of June 22nd, the maximum fine changed from $5,000 per offense to $5 million for every day you're in violation. Jeez. And are you a corporation? No, oh, that doesn't matter because the corporation's liable, but we're gonna pierce the corporate veil and every director, officer, and employee who participates or even acquiesces, whatever the heck that means in a criminal context, it acquiescing to a violation is also personally liable for these $5 million a day fines. So. True Hope used to, before June 22nd, on their website have links to the 35 peer-reviewed journal publications of government-funded research on their website. But they could afford to do that when they were facing a $5,000 fine, but a $5 million day fine, they have now scrubbed those off. So they've self-censored because we can't stand up anymore. I don't know of a natural product company or naturopathic doctor that could withstand a $5 million a day fine. And you see a lot of practitioners like naturopathic doctors will truthfully advertise to us, we have this treatment and it will help you in this way. And if they don't advertise, you won't know, but all of that is gonna disappear. So they're not gonna be able to tell you, but that doesn't really matter because Under this self-care framework, Health Canada has made clear we're only licensing you for products for which you are truly over the counter. So, you know, you have a headache and you go to the drugstore and there's like aspirin there and right beside aspirin, there's white willow bark. Well, you're not going to go and ask anyone for advice. You're just going to pick one. But if it's for a condition for which you would seek the advice of anyone like a healthcare practitioner, then we're not going to license you under that regime. So under the natural product regulations we have now, you can get licensed for anything except serious, serious conditions. But now you're only going to be able to get licensed under these much stricter regulations for the most minor of conditions, truly things that you would seek no advice for, all of the other conditions now have to go through the new drug approval process that you can't get through. So whereas before it was illegal to treat serious health conditions with anything but a chemical that had a patent, we're lowering the bar to it's now going to be illegal to treat anything but the most minor conditions with anything but a chemical, novel chemical that had a patent. So what, are, what practitioners are going to survive? What homeopathic doctors, what naturopathic doctors, what traditional Chinese practitioners, <clears throat> what Aboriginal practitioners, which ones are going to survive when they don't have any products for what, you know, to help us with? So uh,
0: this seems like it's a really big problem. Uh, Am I exaggerating if I say this is a really big problem?
1: Yeah, well, if we don't do anything, then, you know, when a a year or two, when this is totally phased in, our only option is going to be chemical pharmaceutical drugs. And that's going to be an absolute train wreck from health, from a health perspective. And it's also absolutely offensive from a rights perspective, but <clears throat> isn't it the best thing that's happened to us in years is that Health Canada truly is taking away our natural health products. And <clears throat> I'm hoping that people in your audience will understand I'm joking. And yet I'm not joking. And here's why I think this is so interesting. <clears throat> Leaving the truckers' convoy aside, because the truckers' convoy was a protest you know like no other citizen protest it's it's in a it's in a class all of its own and and we owe them our very lives but aside from the trucker convoy Scott the two largest citizen rebellions in my lifetime have been over access to natural health products and both times the government had to back down so <clears throat> I think this is an opportunity because over 70% of Canadians use natural health products regularly We've been able to get them excited in the past when you know we've actually faced threats like we, we do now. And so we need to create a citizen rebellion. Now it's gonna be harder than before because we're in a different political climate. We're in a climate where basically our federal government is moving us to transnationalism so we won't have sovereignty over our health. And this is part of this globalization, this harmonization of how we regulate therapeutic products, which is deliberately trying to put the entire world into a model where we only have access to chemical drugs. Now, and a lot of people in the natural health community, they know nothing about these wider freedom issues. They know nothing about the World Health Organization and, and all of this that's happening. And we've got all these freedom groups from COVID. I mean, we've had the this biggest intrusion into our lives ever during COVID. And a whole bunch of freedom groups have sprung up. And they don't really have a target. They don't really have an issue that they can really test to see, can we get Parliament responsive again? And so, Chris, you know, you've got the natural health product website up. So I'm part of a nonprofit called the Natural Health Product Protection Association. And what we want to do is we basically want to create such a large citizen rebellion that we can dictate two things to government. And and one of those you are not going to see on our website because we've got to get the movement going and then start introducing people in the natural health community who don't know about the wider freedom issues about it. really our our ask is stop treating them like chemical drugs so let's get let's get into the food category or third category let's not pretend they're dangerous and and you know after 2000 years we don't need government pre-approval to use ginger tea to treat nausea like help me out here Mm -hmm. so so that's the one goal but the second goal that will be to get us out of the world health organization because i think that's
0: really really important
1: (laughs) Well, that, that's really the mischief and the beauty about this is, is we can get a vast majority of Canadians who know nothing about the wider health issues to be excited about, you know, the fact that their natural health products are being taken away. We can get the freedom groups involved with this because it gives them a target. Can we get Parliament actually responsive again? <clears throat> and if like there's no in law we call it a test case like you know if you want to change something like have a law struck down you wait and you wait and you wait and you wait till you have the right fact pattern like because you're not going to win on the wrong fact pattern and when you got the right fact pattern you call it the test case this is the test case to see if we can get parliament responsive again if we can't create a political movement on this issue that the majority of Canadians will just automatically support, then there's no way we can get Parliament back, you know, peacefully. And I I think we can get Parliament back peacefully. I think we can get all our institutions back peacefully. I'm like super excited. But I I need all the help I can get and the NHPPA needs all the help it, it can get. We're We're having to expand and expand and expand and create all these structures. So we need people to go to the NHPPA site. Um, Hopefully you can put a link up there on on your page or something, but it's just- I just had it. NHPPA.org. And there's, you know, on the bottom of the, the landing page or you can get there from the contact us page, we ask you to subscribe to our newsletter. So you give us your name and you give us your email address. We don't send out a lot of emails, like only 45 a week. I'm just kidding. Like maybe not even, you know, one a week. Like we, we do not flood you with emails, but we want your email because if we launch a new campaign or, you know, we have a need for specific types of volunteers, that's how we communicate with you. So we rely on that to be able to communicate, you know, campaigns and needs also obviously follow us on on social media and and also follow me, I'm at Sean Buckley Law on Twitter. Um, But we also need you to support us financially. Like we absolutely need you to support us financially. We've, you know, like the Standing Committee of Health, Parliament came back on September 18th and the Standing Committee of Health held a special meeting. They called three Health Canada executives to come and, and they grilled them on natural product issues and because, and they held up a stack of postcards they were receiving from the NHPPA. And all the MPs there on the standing committee made it clear we got lots more of these at our offices and we've never felt such pressure. Well, you know, those have to be in every store. They have to be in every practitioner's office. <clears throat> There's costs here. We We've got this whole infrastructure. That we're trying to build to create this pressure and and we can't we can't do it without people funding and and chris i'm i I don't know how you fund your podcasts or if people you know donate or if you even are set up to ask but i'm i'm bringing it up because you know i've been on podcast after podcast after podcast where some of these podcasters i mean they're trying to make a living doing this they're living like church mice because They'll have a big audience, but nobody's supporting them financially. And it's like, do people not understand how much work it is for people like you to prepare and put this on? And, you know, those that are doing it day after day after day, we wouldn't know what's going on but for the podcasters. And we're not supporting them financially. And it's kind of like shame on you that you'll watch people like Chris and other podcasters and not support them financially. like the time for that's ended. We're in an information war and we need these people as strong as they can be. We actually need them expanding and having other people help them to make this grow because they're the ones that are saving our bacon by letting us know what's going on so that we can make good decisions. And and same with the other freedom groups. Like I'm calling, I want people to go to the NHPPA site and and volunteer. We have a volunteer form. We're in the process of of organizing volunteers be patient but we got to get involved chris like we got to get involved in so many things but this is an exciting one this is this is this is an exciting one
0: i agree and you know like facebook uh pay uh, facebook pays me to insert ads into my podcast and one of the ones that i found the most ironic and hilarious is the uh, Alberta Federation of Labor actually inserted NDP attack ads in my podcasts, basically calling out the NDP for being a bunch of, of liars. And, you know, it's it's not a lot of money. I mean, I looked at my um, my creator toolkit there a little while ago and it's like some of them made 75 cents, some of them made $10 whatever. <clears throat> but it's not, th- this isn't about that for me. I, I have a day job. I have my business, the the cafe. So I do earn a little bit of money there. But honestly, Sean, I'm, uh, you know, I'm I'm not trying to reap rewards here. That's not what this is about. This is about no, uh, no. But I I I realize my point is 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 a lot of people are hand to mouth here. They are, yeah. And it's and and if we don't if we don't support them, then it doesn't continue. But the thing the thing with me is, a while ago, I realized that I spent my entire life worrying about earning a big paycheck and having new trucks and having a boat and a snowmobile and all that crap. And then at some point it's all gone. And I had this little kind of midlife crisis a while back. And I thought to myself, well, what the hell am I going to do? What, what am I actually doing? What am I going to, what, what's going to be here when I'm left? There's going to be nothing. There's going to be a truck. Who cares, right? And I had this kind of uh, little bit of epiphany that I think we're supposed to do something with our lives. We're supposed to do something important. And now mm-hmm. I've realized there's a lot of important things we have to do. And this for me is, it's kind of my way of letting other people know that, hey, there's these things we need to be paying attention to because we didn't pay attention before. We're too busy worrying about our new truck and look where we are. Look where we are now. So uh, I, I, I appreciate the shout out though. And I, you know, yeah, it's, uh,
1: so, it's, it's so kind of me, a labor of love. Let me let me challenge your, your audience because one thing I, you know, the National Citizens Inquiry taught me, And, you know, if if you guys haven't watched the National Citizens Inquiry, start watching the testimony. It'll change your life. Like, it truly changed your life. But, you know, we learned that we weren't alone and we learned we're the majority. Like, remember how isolated we felt in the dark days? Like, you know, groups hadn't formed. We didn't have communities. We felt all alone. We're all like super shocked of what's going on and terrified. No, I was lecturing in, in Morinville a couple of weeks ago You know, we had, you know, maybe 500 people there. And I asked the audience, I said, if you honestly were worried that the army, and this is in Alberta, that the army was going to go door to door, pull unvaccinated people out of their homes and, you know, and jab them, put up your hand. Chris, almost every hand hand went up. Now, that level of fear is crazy. And, And, but we don't have to be that afraid anymore, but what we have to do now is we have to make a decision. You know, I was, I, I have to give Arthur Pileski a call and ask him about this dream that Bo Poloni, I, I saw him talk about, he said, oh, I talked to Arthur Pileski and he had this dream. I'll share with you the dream, but I understand I haven't spoken to Arthur and got it, you know, directly from him. So I may not be doing it justice, but as it was described, there's this long fence that just goes on and on and on and everyone is sitting on top of the fence and then god's hands come and they and he starts shaking the fence and everyone's got to decide which side they're going to fall on but you can't sit on the fence anymore you got to pick sides in the spiritual war and at the end there was nobody sitting on the fence and and chris we are in a spiritual war And Satan doesn't want you to do anything else but watch TV and think that other people are going to take care of this. You are acting like because now we're all responsible going forward for what we do. We're in a, a spiritual war. We're in an information war. It's very dangerous. People are being hurt. People are being killed. And you're going to be held accountable Going forward, for how you respond, because we're all soldiers in this war, and you, Chris, you're setting the example. Is you are doing podcasts, you you set an example during COVID, like we all know about the whistle stop. You were a beacon of light, and you got punished for it. but, But we thank you for actually having integrity and having courage when a lot of us were afraid, but we can't be afraid anymore, and you know likely you're, I'm speaking to your audience, your thing may not be doing podcasts, but if you understand you got to do something and you got to do it all the time, just start figuring out what you can do. Like I, I live in Alberta. It doesn't matter what province you live in, but I can't stand the fact that we're still jabbing kids with these COVID vaccines. know. And if you're like me and think, actually we're harming these kids and maybe killing some of them. Well, in Alberta, what are they are there 76 MLAs or something like that? It's not a large number. And yeah, 80, 80 something. Okay, well, 86 or something. It's not a large number. Well, regardless of what province you're in, why don't you write a letter to every single one of your MLAs? Um, like so you can just write the same letter and change the their name because you can address it all to the same address, the, the legislative building. You don't need to pay postage. But send every MLA in your province a letter, just saying, "You got to stop jabbing kids. This is silly." And you know, if five hundred people in each province do that, I promise you, that's likely will be the largest single issue they've dealt with in the year. If you don't tell them, they don't know. And I, I'm just—we're just brainstorming about things you can do. The National Citizens Inquiry has a campaign called "This Is Canada," and it's just like it's oh, you know. My wife leaves them around because she just loves it. So we have a PDF on our website and you just download it um, it prints grayscale. But what, what we did with this one is we just went to Staples and had them print a whole bunch of color on this size. And the challenge is Canada's 156 years old, print off 156. And like I say, you can just do it on your own computer grayscale. It doesn't matter. We'll drop them off in your neighborhood to 156 homes. It'll probably take you about two and a half hours. If you're afraid of doing it in your own neighborhood because your neighbor might say, hey, John, what are you doing? Well, go to another neighborhood where you don't know anyone. But let's say you drop off 156 and 15 people start watching the National Citizens Inquiry. They'll get hooked and they'll wake up. And now you've got 15 people in different families that are going to affect their circle. And now, now you've made a dent in the information war because we're, we're going to win this one person by person. It's not like, because there's a third of the people are true believers we're never going to convince them but who cares because they're not active and there's us we're over a third and we're now active because God's shaking that fence and we have to decide and if you're inactive you're working for the enemy that's all that's what the enemy wants and that middle that middle is they're not moving to the true believer side they're moving to our side so like we've already won the war we have the momentum we just ne- need to start acting now we just need to start doing like Chris this is such a cool time because we've just felt so mowed over and and now you can just be bold and start doing things
0: I agree so let me touch on two things here Uh, actually before I do that folks if you want to know where that stuff is you can go to nationalcitizensinquiry.ca forward slash printable dash resources and you can find all those things so I just want to speak a little bit about you mentioned we're in a spiritual war so I'm going to, I just want to share with you and the, the people watching how I, I just continue to do what I'm doing and I'm, I'm fairly calm and I don't generally worry about a lot. And the, re- the reason for that, I know we're in a spiritual war, but I have faith that we have won that war. We won that war over 2000 years ago on the, Christ, uh, on the cross, like the blood of Christ won that war and all we're just living out the last, we're, we're living out the epilogue of the story right now. We're along for the ride. And that doesn't matter that we shouldn't do. That, what I'm not saying is that we shouldn't do things because even though we've won the war, we're commanded to do two things. And I hold, I hold, I hold on to this. We're commanded to love our neighbor and love our God, those two things. Mm-hmm. And if we do those two things, specifically, if we love our neighbor, we're not going to allow the government to trample on them. We stand up for them because that's what we do when we love the people around us. Right. So that, that's how I, I maintain my, you know, somewhat of a composure Throughout, throughout this stuff, is I just, I just have faith that we've already won the war and we're just along for the ride. So we may as well ma- make it a, uh, a good ride, I guess. And the second thing is, we talked a lot about the problems that we're facing, and there's problems in, in everything. Almost every portfolio, every ministry, every government thing that goes on, there's problems. And the root cause of every single issue that we have is we have given up our God-given sovereignty over our own lives, and we've given it up to people around us that may not have our best interests in mind. When it comes to natural uh, natural health products and even pharmaceuticals or treatment for disease, we've given up our sovereignty to a government and allowed them to decide what's best for us based on their interactions with their very wealthy friends who are also making them wealthy for making different choices than we would, right? So when I use the word sovereignty, I use that a lot, especially when I'm uh, talking about the Alberta Prosperity Project and what we want to do. We want Alberta as a whole to draw back every piece of sovereign jurisdiction that we already have according to the Canadian Constitution, and we want to manage things here as Albertans okay. to our best interest, not to the best interest of Ottawa or the WEF for that matter. So, you know, the solution... You say is is for sure it's getting involved, it's acting, it's standing up for each other and getting our sovereignty back. And in in a natural health products perspective, that could be as simple as growing a garden, right? Like how many things can we grow in our backyard that we can use to stay healthy and treat minor things as we go along? There's thousands of things we can do and we just have to get back to a place where You know, rather than living like these uh, fast food, addicted, instant gratification junkies that we've become, we have to go back to maybe take an example from our indigenous brothers and sisters from this this land and what they used to do. You know, they were sovereign over their own bodies and they took care of each other and they used natural health products to do it. We're not even we're not rewriting. We're not reinventing the wheel. All we have to do is just do what we used to do. And uh, the solutions are right in front of us. So. I hope that's encouraging for people. We we identify a problem. Great. Now we can find a solution. Oh, and I'm going to address this too. So there's someone that mentioned that I don't believe that they're killing people. That's not true. I 100% believe that the jab is causing harm and killing people. 100%. That's what I believe. And I mean, the evidence is all around us what i'm saying is we've allowed this to happen i took a lot of heat because i've said right from the very beginning that we need to be when when something's wrong in the world we need to first look at ourselves and see if there's something we can do differently before we start telling other people to change and in my case i had to look at myself and say i haven't been very politically active i voted every 4 years sometimes i missed it but i didn't get involved in school boards i didn't get involved in hospital boards i didn't get involved in um, CAs or anything. And I allowed this to happen over the last 24 years of my adult life, you know? So I I have to look at myself first and accept some responsibility. And I think everybody does. We're not, we're not in this situation because we've been working towards maintaining our own sovereignty over the last 40 years. We're in this situation because we didn't do that. That's, that's
1: where I, where I'm going with that. I think you're hitting the nail on the head. And you know it, it's interesting because I was thinking the other day I I can't recall ever in my education or and I'm not I'm not even just referring to you know public school and university but also the mainstream media like I can't remember ever being told I have a civic responsibility to be deeply involved in you know basically the institutions around me you know, like school boards, like hospital boards, like political parties, if you're a professional, like your college. In fact, you know, we we're all just doing our, we, yeah, working to buy the nice truck and the cottage at the lake and go on nice vacations. Like, so we were, we were actually, because you can't have a vibrant liberal democracy if the citizens aren't taking personal responsibility right for their institutions so and you already brought it up you know the second commandment that we're supposed to love our neighbor like ourselves well that involves actually taking responsibility for our institutions to make sure that they are acting for the best interests of our neighbors and our children so it's you've hit it on the head and that's what god is asking us to do right now chris Is get involved in every level of the institution because if people join the school board, and voting isn't enough, you actually, you know, if you're left wing, join the NDP. If you're, you know, right wing, join the Conservatives. If you, you know, tend to the Liberals, join them. But we actually need people joining every party who their philosophical bent and purpose is to make sure that their neighbor is treated like themselves that God is put first. So you're actually following the two commandments. we got fill people with political parties with that bent, and we get them acting for the citizens again because you elect a government, but our government is run by parties. It's the party whip that runs the government. It's, you know, so like electing isn't enough. We have to become responsible at every level and we have to push back. Like I say, I mean, How many in your audience has written a single level a letter to any level of government or called a single MLA or MP to say, stop jabbing kids. Don't you dare lock us down again. Like if you don't become active and push back, why would you expect them to change? And the other thing is why would we expect
0: anything to change quickly? We've let this occur over the last 40 years. I mean, the the bureaucracy that's been allowed to fester behind the government has become monolithic in proportions. And I can't even imagine what it's like to be a good person in government right now, aware of what's going on and knowing that the harms that are occurring and unable to do anything because the bureaucracy behind them is more powerful. And the scary Mm -hmm. thing about that, like we're talking about people that have been in those positions for like the deputy ministers, 10, 20, 25 years. I mean, that's some pretty deep roots, and you come into that as a new elected official thinking you have all this power to fix things, and you find out in short order that you don't. And in the, in the past, there have been politicians that tried to go up against that that, that what do you call it, uh, mo- monolithic monster of a bureaucracy, and they're just destroyed, or government is toppled, mm-hmm. or government is removed for the next thing. So what we need is exactly what you're talking about, Sean. We need a revival of people who are interested in standing up for people. We need to create a parade in this province, I believe in this province first and then it'll it'll uh, spread to the rest of the country, a parade of people who believe in truth and reality.
1: Mm-hmm. So that our
0: government has the mandate and the and the and it gives them the courage to be able to do what's right to face the the enemy that they're facing from within. And if the people don't stand up and do the work to do that first, it's never going to happen. And that's what has to be different about this time than every other time we have to stop relying and saying the government has to do this. The government has to do that. And we have to start uh, organizing and letting them know that we're behind them and that's what we're going to support. And then they'll do it. Cause that's really what they do. That's how, what a government does. They watch, they, they go like this, they see which way the wind is blowing and that's what they campaign on.
1: So we need to make them campaign on truth. And then we can, yeah, sense. you, you couldn't say it better. And, um, you know and they're not going to know what you're thinking unless you let them know you know chris a lot you know in alberta a lot of upc or ucp um mlas when they went to their constituency organizations you know that have a board to give them feedback on what the populace is thinking a lot of them were told that no we want masks we want lockdown yeah we want all of this well well man you should have been at the table then you know like this you got to understand a lot of this was popular because you didn't raise your voice and you didn't push back, but now we're going to push back and, and we're not shocked and afraid anymore. I, I heard something really encouraging. I was at, this is now probably about a month and a half, two months ago. I'm um, posties hold the line held an event in Edmonton. And I was chatting with somebody afterwards and they were teacher's assistant and, you know, they're getting, they're having to go back and get ready for school, the school year hadn't started yet. Um, and the school board sent out a notice saying everyone's got to get, you know, all the staff have to get up to date on their COVID shots. Like, whatever, what does that mean now? Like, is it five? Is it six? Like, what does that even mean? Um, and, but what happened was is so many people pushed back by email that they backed off the policy. And I was thinking, you know, a couple of years ago, the first person that would have pushed back by email would have been swarmed by everyone else, you know, and, and their voice silenced. So even the fact that, that many people pushed back and weren't silenced and the policy got reversed, I found super encouraging. And, and we just can't shut up. It's funny, my wife, you know, she can't, she can't not, if we're walking by a pharmacy, she'll go in. And ask the pharmacist, oh, do you have any of the COVID vaccines? And they go, like, oh, yeah, 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 we do. And then she'll <laughs> say, you know, you're killing people and start that dialogue. And um, and most of them are quite white in the face by the time she's done. And, and we have to start doing that. We have to start pushing back. They have to know that they're going to be held to account for what they're doing.
0: And, and you, we can have these conversations in such a way that people receive them. Right. If we go about these things the wrong way, people will shut us out, and then all of a sudden we have a divide. But we can go about some of these conversations uh, from a, from from higher ground and and be polite about it. You know, politely tell the pharmacist, "Hey, you know, like this stuff is killing people. Haven't you seen what's going on? Haven't you seen the NCI? And don't you know that what the commissioners are recommending is that we stop this? We don't. We don't have to be uh, abrasive and in people's face. We can do it." out of compassion, which is what we should be, we, we should be doing anyway. I think, mm-hmm. but speaking but of not, which, being, not being afraid
1: hear, to talk. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Not being afraid to talk. We've been afraid for far, far too long. Um, I, I can hear the music's getting louder out there. So I think that means there's, Oh yeah. So a you, you got to go and dance and, and,
1: and, and we've had a good conversation and Chris, I'm so thankful you let me, you know, bring this issue up. Cause I'm, I'm really passionate about it. I, I'm so worried about us losing our products and, um, and just you know, need people to know so they can get involved.
0: Yeah, anytime, Sean, I'm, I'm more than happy to do this because this is an area, if we had had sovereignty over our health choices in the last three years, this would have never, ever happened to us. We would have mm-hmm. never gone through that. If we were free to exercise sovereignty over our own bodies in regards to medical interventions for treating certain diseases, and and the uh, the there was no consequences either way, which is the way it should be. We wouldn't be in this situation, and mm-hmm. people, you know, they wouldn't be experiencing the things they are. Uh, but another thing I want to remind people about: just because we've realized these things over the last three, four years, and we're seeing it now, and we're up in arms, don't think for a second that this stuff hasn't been going on for hundreds of years. For hundreds of years, bad things have been happening to good people. And innocent people have been dying or harmed because of bad policy that people failed to speak up for. It's not new. And in my lifetime, just going back and learning things over the last little while here, I know that there's probably a dozen instances where I should have been saying something about harms that were being done to people. And I didn't do it because it didn't affect me. So remember, as you're yelling at your politicians or your friends or your neighbors about things that are happening right now, we are all probably just as guilty of failing to stand up in the past, and just because we, um, you know, we've we've opened our eyes and are standing up now because something affected us, uh, it certainly doesn't make us perfect or any any better than anyone else. It just leads to a solution that we might not otherwise have. Sorry, I just read a couple comments about. Um, people losing their parents. And I don't know if I ever told you this, Sean, but that was the thing that really kicked this off for me is hearing about, uh, I heard about people saying goodbye to their mother over an iPad Mm -hmm. and I blew a gasket. I can't imagine. I can't imagine having that stolen from me. You know, my mom's still fine. She's uh, not going anywhere soon. But uh, yeah, the thought of that, it got me. So
1: yeah, it was barbaric the way we acted. It was but we don't
0: have to do it any longer. So, Anyhow, yeah, thanks again for taking time to come on tonight, and thank you for uh, putting up with my my tardiness. I'm usually late, and I'm happy to do it again. I'm going to run more webcasts like this. I, I kind of took a little bit, not a break, but I was just too busy to do it, but I'm starting to schedule people like every day. I've been talking to uh, Dr. McCullough. I've been talking to Dr. Trazzi. Mm-hmm. Um Dr. Mackis, you know, a bunch of people that have a lot of things to say about how we can exercise sovereignty over our own bodies and health choices. And I'm really hoping that it motivates people to, to act. So, Sean, again, if people want to find out more about you and what you're doing, where
1: can they go? We got it at the bottom of the screen, www.nhppa.org.
0: Yeah. yeah. And is there anything please, else they should be looking subscribe.
1: at? Um what at nhppa.org i mean we're basically starting up a whole bunch of structures you know to to get um, practitioners organized and get you know the health food stores organized and also are we haven't set up this structure yet but i'm calling for volunteers we basically want to set up organizations in all 338 federal ridings to basically create communities and to educate people on how to take part in their institutions, including all of the political parties. So not with necessarily specific goals other than those two that we're doing is stop treating us like drugs and get us out of the World Health Organization, but basically just empowering people to be participating so that you know we're no longer have an excuse because we can't sit still anymore as you've said and um so pretty excited Uh, and then you know if we get enough resources and volunteers we're going to be setting up an organization to start countering the mainstream media so we've got lots of things in play we're working with a lot of the freedom groups to kind of put these things together because we have to all be working together we can't be you know working this you know in our own little silos and it's happening it's it's I think, you know, if you and I have a conversation in exactly a year, Canada's going to be a different, this whole thing is going to be different. And I, I think that they're going to throw a bunch of curveballs at us because they will have gained this, right? You can't pull the trigger on something like this vaccine and not understand that eventually a critical mass is going to so say, wait a second, you did this deliberately, you deliberately harmed us. And they've got to distract us before that happens. It's not going to work. But you know, I think we've got some real challenges coming, and so, you know, our obligation to be involved and to be caring for each other is going to be very necessary this year.
0: Absolutely, and folks, if you want to get involved in another way, you can also head over to www.nationalcitizensinquiry.ca/slash/take-action. So they need our help as well. They need volunteers. They need financial support um, to help push the results of what they've found. Uh, and get them into the mainstream like we got to we really have to this information is all out there and it has to get in front of more eyes in this province and in this country and the more eyes it gets in front of the better chance we have of having it make an impact in our in our lives and in those around us so head over there check out the nhppa uh, uh, website as well and just do what you can and in addition if you want to help us do something that's never been done before right here in alberta so that we can be sovereign and uh, charter our own course forward in all of these matters, head over to www.albertaprosperityproject.com. Check us out and uh, sign up as a volunteer, donate, become a member, whatever you you can do, uh, because I really believe that Alberta is going to lead the way in a lot of these things. And we really want to help Albertans and educate Albertans as to how we can do that. So there's my sales pitch for tonight. I think I better go dance with my girlfriend before someone else does. And uh, it's 10, it's already after 10 o'clock. So time flies when you're having a good conversation, I guess. eh? It does. All right. Well, thanks again, Sean. Have a great night and hope to see you soon. And uh, I'll be in touch and we'll we'll set up another show sooner rather than later. Sounds good. Thanks, Chris. Okay. Good night. There you go, folks. Mr. Sean Buckley, lead counsel of the NCI, and also one of the uh, people on the front lines in the battle for our health sovereignty, really. If we allow the government to get their sticky little fingers or tendrils, if you will, into things like natural health products that we can use to keep ourselves healthy, keep ourselves out of the system, keep ourselves charting our own course and sovereign over our own bodies, where is that going to lead us? For far too long in this province and in this country, we have given up our right to be sovereign over these things. And we've allowed other people to do it. And what we're finding now, what we're seeing now is the results of that. And the results aren't good because when we give up our rights and freedoms, when we give up our sovereignty and somebody else takes it, it's not to our benefit, they'll benefit themselves. These pharmaceutical companies have have profited in the area of $150 billion because we allowed the government to decide We allowed the government to become our new doctors and our new gods in this country. But like I said before, we know we have a problem. And now we can fix it. So please get involved. Good night, all.